Welcome to the Quality Meet Scotland podcast. Industry updates and best practice to promote, support, develop and protect the Scottish red meat sector. In the current crisis, we can't stay in physical contact with one another. You know, by and large, we're cut off from family members. We're cut off from friends and colleagues. We can't meet up at work, uh, at the mart or even over the farm gate. But it's still really important to keep in touch, to try and stay informed. So to that end, over the next few weeks, Quality Meet Scotland are going to be producing these podcasts. I'm Mark Stephen, and each week I'm going to be speaking to industry insiders to try and bring you the latest on what's happening in the meat production sector, not just here in Scotland, but further afield. We're going to kick off with these two gentlemen, Bruce McConaughey, who's Director of Industry Development at QMS, and Ian MacDonald, their Senior Economics Analyst. As we're all doing this from our homes, uh, we'll do the usual Zoom sing-out. Let's just check everything's working. Can you both hear me okay? Yeah, perfectly well. That's fine. That's Bruce. And how about you, Ian? Ian, can you hear me? Yeah, sorry, I just muted myself there. <laughs> and then forgot to unmute. So yeah, I've unmuted now and I can hear you. Oh, always worth checking these things, that's for sure. Right, Bruce, for a start, uh, I know you come from a farming family, uh, so give me an overview. What is the situation at the moment? So there's a, obviously a huge amount of disruption in every aspect and every part of society. The agricultural sector and the uh, meat processing sector are no different. It's an interesting time for this to happen when uh, it's springtime. Farmers are usually very, very busy at this time of year anyway so the social life kind of goes out the window for a lot of people with field work with lambing with calving but obviously a big part of the um, day-to-day work uh, for farmers is unaffected and we've been relatively sheltered from most of the impact of coronavirus as I say where we get into problems is the the interdependency of the red meat sector and the supply chain that every single part of it has to be functioning perfectly for the the supply chain to work and what we're finding now is that with coronavirus and restrictions on lockdown on social distancing we're finding more and more problems come out of the woodwork and it's it's a real effort to keep every sector running as smoothly as it can be in these times. Ian what's the from a financial perspective what's your take on that? So yeah it's a it's obviously a, a very difficult time for many households across Scotland across the UK across the world uh, a lot of people have been made unemployed or have been um, are uncertain about the future of their jobs uh, due to the, the sector that they're in, which is which is making a big a big impact. Um, I think the Bank of England are, uh, quoted a, a potential reduction in the economy of more than a third um, over the next quarter. So yeah, a, a very disruptive period. Is it tougher in some areas of Scotland than others? And if so, why? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. It, it, no doubt there will there will be different regional impacts um, i mean in in the cities uh, they're obviously the sort of the hub of industrial financial uh, retail activity and a lot of that a lot of that's completely gone um, in the in the rural sector a lot of the agricultural businesses are are still running are still operating because they're staffed by key workers and they they're in the position where you can't really survive without food so uh, they have to they have to keep producing and they te- they tend to be in the in the in the countryside rather than in the city. Bruce, you were talking earlier about difficulty with supply lines. You know, obviously there are some parts of Scotland that are much further away from you know the sort of the hub point, the, the far end of a supply line. How difficult is it for them? Yeah, it's it is very difficult. We've 
we've already had, um, you know, we've had decades of working with the infrastructure difficulties in this country, especially uh, distance from markets and things like that. So it was really critical to try and keep the auction marts functioning as well as they can be. And the uh, Institute of Auctioneers of Scotland have done a phenomenal amount of work trying to make sure that protocols are in place so that sales can run as smoothly as they can do in this this uh, world that we're living in now. What are the specific challenges at the moment in the processing sector? Yeah, so just like, like farming operates on really thin margins, so does the processing sector. And it's the, the higher end products, the stakes, that tend to, to sort of help help them make their margin, their, their very thin margin. Whereas products like mince and diced uh, beef and lamb, they're uh, almost sold at, at cost. Um, so if you're not selling your, your, your higher value stakes into the into food service and you're selling them to retail and in retail the demand for the, the high-end cuts isn't quite as good as it was before um, then that's that's where you get that that challenge coming through and especially if you were a, a processing company that was that was sort of almost re completely reliant on the food service sector then you, then you've really you're really having a challenge you may have lost 75 80 percent of your sales overnight and all of a sudden you've got to to rebalance your business model completely be interesting to see how this pans out long term because historically ever since the second world war we have had really cheap food you know and i wonder if this might actually catapult us towards the you know the, the consumer actually having to pay the value of the food for a change problem with a lot of consumers is if household incomes are are falling then are they going to be able to afford to, to pay more for meat? That's a, that's a that's a real challenge. But on the other hand, you know, if, if you if you've got difficulties actually exporting the stuff, the home market becomes all important. It certainly does, and that's I guess that's why we're uh, QM, QMS will be uh, reinforcing our our messages about provenance and quality, and and trying to get people to to choose to choose Scotch beef and Scotch lamb, and specially selected pork as much as they can. What are the markets for red meat at the moment? Because essentially you've lost pubs and clubs and restaurants, hotels, sporting events. Who are you selling to? Yeah, so there's, because that food service sector is, it's been completely, completely shut down, a very small um, percentage of what it was operating at previously. So there's had to be a, a, a large rebalancing and obviously people are, are buying a lot more meat from the supermarket and from the butchers so it's, it's really switched from um probably even 50 50 food service um retail into probably about 90 percent into into retail and what effect would that have on the on the bottom line in terms of the, the overall value of the market the the real challenge with the loss of the food service sector is uh, quite quite a lot of the higher end product for beef and lamb the steaks uh, the lamb racks they, they would be sold to the hotels and restaurants at the, the top end. And so when everyone's buying from the, the retail retailer, they're often looking for quick, easy to cook products like mince, uh, diced, diced beef, diced uh, minced lamb, and, and even roasts, which are, they're obviously above average in price for roasts, but um, not, not as valuable to the, the processor and to the, the whole supply chain as the as the state cuts so the loss of the food service that's that's where that is really hit hit hard it's uh so the the overall value of the carcass is is lower this is a global pandemic every country is in the same boat can we still sell overseas yes so export markets are still in theory 
um, open just like they were before. The real challenge is that a lot of the exports went into the food service sector and across Europe there are similar lockdowns to what we've got here and social distancing has meant that yeah, the food service sector really isn't in operation and so that part of export activity is, is, is pretty limited at the moment. Uh, the stuff that would be going into the retail sector is still going ahead but that's, that's much more limited. Um, certainly if- and lamb. Pork, pork might be a bit different with uh, China being the, the large export market. Well, Philip, I was going to ask you about if there was differences between the different types of meat that we're actually producing. You know, if, if, is lamb less affected than beef, for example? Well, initially it was, it was more affected. Um, there was a, a real difficulty in the lamb market towards the end of March. And a lot of that was down to the European market. It really tightened, it not tightened up, it had, it pretty much collapsed. Demand in France for lamb completely collapsed almost overnight. And um, when there were a lot of border crossing problems with people returning to their original countries and there's some extra border controls on um, freight trucks. And so it was the whole sort of European food supply chain almost ground to a halt. And, and that caused a problem. So that, that was the real, the, the, the real challenge for lamb. But it, it, the, mar- the markets have, have begun to operate a bit more normally um, on the continent, uh, just without the food service sector buying. What effect is all this activity, and this is to either of you, what effect is all this activity having on price? There's, there's been quite a lot of volatility uh, over the past month um, in beef and lamb. The, initially, the, the, the beef price really didn't show much movement at all. It was pretty stable. And then as, as we got into April, there was a week where, where prices picked up a little bit. And then um, the week to so it was a fortnight ago from now, um, the week ending 11th of April, there was a, there was a, a fall in prices. Um, so I think that's the, the, the beef market starting to, to rebalance and finding it a bit more tough going. Uh, the, the, cow, the cow price fell um, before the, the prime beef market. Um, I guess that's something down to the, there's, there's no big sporting events or rock concerts or anything like that for the, for the foreseeable future. And so the, the sort of lower end manufacturing beef that would go into supplying burgers for, for that kind of event is, is completely dried up. The motto for life at the moment seems to be we're done again. You know, we've, we've, we've no idea how long this is going to last, what, what, what the, what the future is going to hold, what the timescale of any of this is likely to be. So is, is anybody being daft enough to actually try and forecast when the markets will normalise? <laughs> well, I, I, yeah, it's, it's, it's all unknown. Um, you'd imagine the restrictions will, will begin to ease at some point in the summer, but whether they whether they're eased for a period of time and infections start growing again in the autumn and things start to, to shut down again. Um, yeah, it's very difficult to forecast at the moment. Bruce, is there anything you'd like to bring in on any of those points that Ian's just been talking about? I think Ian's pretty much summarised anything, everything a lot better than I could. <laughs> uh, certainly from the farmer side of things, it's, it's a real unknown and, and we hear the word unprecedented uh, a lot more than we used to, but it, it's it's really true. It, everything we're dealing with now is unprecedented. We don't, none of us have any experience on how to react to this. So predicting it's just just an impossibility. And and certainly from the farmer side of things, knowing how you should adjust your business accordingly, it's just it's just a minefield at the moment. So, yeah. have you have you seen anything in the input side, Bruce, on price? Um, any shortages there causing causing problems? 
Not massively, no. There's, everything seems to be... There's, there's a bit of panic buying to a certain extent, or there was early on, on, on things like feeds and chemicals, but that seems to have evened out, and there doesn't seem to be too much there. It's just the, the logistical restrictions of getting materials onto farms and things. But I think now the haulage, uh, the hauliers and the suppliers and things are sort of getting to the stage where they're on an even keel. I think that's sort of evening out now. It's maybe worth pointing out that if, if any industry um, is well placed to deal with volatility and unpredictability, it has got to be farming. The, the, you've, you've lived in that situation for decades. Yeah, I think, I think every, every, every year you see a lot of volatility in, uh, in the agricultural markets. Um, this year is just a little bit more widespread volatility. Bruce? I think, I, I think that's true. Yeah, we're, we're used to volatile uh, pricing and things like that. And I, th I think the difficulty is that farming runs on such tight margins so much of the time that we, we really don't have the buffers that some other industries might have. And that's, that's the real difficulty. And especially when you're dealing with a livestock business, adjusting your business to, to react quickly to market changes is, is really, really difficult. Because if you start trying to change a livestock business, you're two, three years down the line before you see any, any real impact of those changes sometimes. Is that still the case at the moment? Because there's a lot of industries, and probably mine, broadcasting is one of them, where in the past, you know, something that might have taken six months to conceive of, implement, and then to deliver, is happening a lot faster than that. Is it likely to happen to you in farming? Hopefully. Hopefully there will be a bit of adjustment and people will be a little more reactive. And, you know, we're all on a steep learning curve. Uh, but, yeah, it's just this, it's the simple aspect of the work we do and working with livestock and things like that it's it's so difficult to dramatically change businesses to react to market demands quickly but certainly we've got a lot of a lot of great minds in this industry we're bound to find a way through it your job title um, is director of industry development at quality meat scotland can you actually work on that during a lockdown what are you what are you able to do yeah, it's, it's a good question, and I'm obviously very new to the role. Uh, a previous incumbent, Sarah Miller, has taken some time off to do something far more worthwhile. She's uh, taken some time off to have a little baby girl. Um, <laughs> that specific. Yeah, it's, <laughs> yes. um, it's, it's been a steep learning curve for me. Obviously, a lot of the industry development work that we do uh, is farmer-facing. It's based on delivering programs and events on the ground you know, uh, knowledge exchange stuff and knowledge transfer stuff from soils to grass all the way to finished animals on the hook. So, yeah, it's a big change in the work plan. So what we're doing now is trying to get as much information out there available for farmers so that, you know, while all of our social lives are cancelled, they've got something to read, they've got knowledge exchange still going on there. Uh, and we're also um, pioneering new meeting methods. So we, we had our first uh, Zoom farmers meeting, a grazing group in Orkney where uh, all the farmers gathered on Zoom. And from what I heard, it was very successful. So that might be the brave new world we're all aiming for. And do you still have ongoing projects? Yeah, we do. We're, um, we're busier than uh, I think anyone expected to be at this time. Uh, the team are uh, working really hard on getting as much resources uh, available for farmers from a, a, a fodder beet growing guide to uh, an online tool about carcass specifications and we're looking forward um we've just had the monitor farm program end on the 31st of march so we're really looking to build on the 
the successes of that modern reform program, which brought the communities together, improved business performance, uh, and really showed us that people saw a real value in it. So it's really, we're trying to put plans in place to capitalize on that and other programs so that when we do eventually leave lockdown and things get back to a sort of business as usual, we can really hit the ground running with some new programs. Any final thoughts, Ian? Yeah, I think, I think it's a, a really interesting discussion point for, for what's going to happen in the future, because you'd imagine that people, the, lo- the longer this lockdown scenario goes on, distancing goes on, people will sort of become more accustomed to the, to the new way of, of life, really. And that will definitely have some permanent impacts. It's just what permanent impacts will be the ones that, that stick in or the, is the real question. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see how things actually change too, because as, as one of you said right at the very beginning of this, people always need to eat. You know, we need food. Yeah, I think it's, it's yeah, the, the one, I suppose one, one of the real questions is, uh, will, will food service ever really recover until there's a, there's a vaccine in place? Because uh, you'd, you'd imagine people will be quite cautious over, over uh, eating out and going to a, a place with lots of other people in close contact. So the, the the sort of restaurant sector will have to will have to adapt um, their business business model, perhaps um, introducing a lot more space within between tables and that kind of thing going forward. Everyone will be eating takeaway rather than actually going to the restaurant. Going back, going back to you, Bruce. You, you picked a cracker of a year to start a new job. Yeah, yeah, it was certainly a, an unusual challenge, and. and starting the starting the job working from home and social distancing and isolation and things is is very interesting i've i've been quite able to meet with as many of my colleagues as i, I possibly can online and through staff meetings and things but I'm, I'm not very sure how many of them have legs or not i only see the top of their their shoulders <laughs> yeah I've, I've, never, I've never met bruce face to face before so my only <laughs> real my real sort of uh, view of bruce is guy from the poster from the Meet, in, meet with Integrity campaign. <laughs> uh, fair enough. And, uh, do you, I mean, just out of curiosity, uh, do you feel, feel isolated from you know, the people in the farming community, from the marts, from the, from the abattoirs, the people that you deal with normally face-to-face? I, I certainly do, yeah. There's a lot of times that I would quite happily go into the mart nearby and, and just sit and watch the sales you know, as a spectator, just out of interest. And, you know, you'd visit friends that have farms, but that's not really an option. But as far as isolated goes, I'm, I'm coping reasonably well. A nine-month-old tends to keep you on your feet. Well, that's for sure. Yeah. That's been really interesting. So thank you very much, uh, Bruce McConaughey, Director of Industry Development at QMS and Senior Economics Analyst Ian McDonald. Thank you both. Thank you for listening to the Quality Meet Scotland podcast. For news and to listen back to previous episodes of the podcast, visit qmscotland.co.uk. For Scotch beef, Scotch lamb and specially selected pork recipe videos and inspiration, visit www.scotchkitchen.com or follow Scotch Kitchen on Facebook, Instagram or Twitter.